Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. Hey guys, it's going to be an awesome episode. I'm bringing on Marie Elizabeth Molly. She's a powerhouse with a great story. We're going to talk a lot about how she was living other people's dreams before she decided to really live her own. And as always, this show is brought to you by Point Blank Safety Systems with you know, the amazing Stacey McGovern over there, she is doing awesome things for our public highways, freeways, construction sites, office buildings. She's just doing a lot to keep not only us safe, but the construction workers safe on projects and, and helping police officers earn a little extra income on their off-duty hours. You know, it's a really, really great program company, and you should really go check them out at pointblanksafety.com. And, and guys, if you're in Texas and you need safety, security, active duty, active shooter training, you know, Point Blank Safety's got you covered. So head on over pointblanksafety.com and tell them Donnie sent you. And then we're also sponsored by Icy Tech Coolers. You know, these are an amazing coolers. They take a beating and hold up. They've held up to several barbecues at our house and, and we love every minute of having them, you know, around as we're a enjoying adult beverages and keeping all of our stuff cool. And, and man, you just can't get a better cooler than these guys. So head over to icy-tech.com. Use the word success when you check out and you'll get $25 off your next order. So that's icy-tech.com. Use the word success when you check out for $25 off your next purchase. And now let's talk to Marie. All right, guys, this is going to be a killer, killer episode. So I was at the New Media Summit, and I just met a lot of freaking badasses. And you know what's interesting is I offered a lot of those people at the summit to come on the show, and I'm really surprised that only a handful of them, you know, who were so stoked and told me they wanted to come on the show um, have yet to reach out. So if you're listening to this episode, get off your duff and freaking, you know, reach out and get on the damn show. But um, I am so stoked. Elizabeth and I, excuse me, Marie and I, and then you'll understand why I say Elizabeth here in a second. Marie Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I had some cool interactions. I saved her life when I found her name tag from the conference, you know, on the floor and was able to actually, you know, be like responsible and return it to her. So y'all strap it in. This is going to be a fun episode. I'm bringing on Marie Elizabeth Molly. I'm Donnie Bovine. This is Donnie Success Champions. Marie, welcome to the show, my dear. So glad. Hi there. Hi, Donnie. Yeah, I'm Marie Elizabeth Molly. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm here today because I was in a wonderful marriage and had this beautiful life that I thought was everything I wanted. And I just kept getting sicker and sicker. And I didn't understand what was happening until the day that I realized that this dream life that I'd created was not actually my dream. Mm. And so I ended the marriage I flailed for a few years in the guilt and the shame of not, you know, living up to the vows I'd made because I really believed in that. 
And then I did some deep work around relationships, sexuality, really dove into what makes me happy, what I want, what I don't want, what makes people tick. And that journey has brought me today. And here we are. And here we are with the love of my life. Uh, in a great relationship. Oh, Not no, you. No, no, no. Oh, oh, God, I didn't. I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to say that. I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, <laughs> Donnie's wife. I didn't mean to reveal right here. <laughs> You're so funny. So, so you were kind of the, and I want to say Susie Homemaker, but you were the traditional get married, you know, live your life out and do stay together for the rest of your life through sick, thick and thin and everything else. But somewhere along the way, you had this epiphany, this wake up call, this, this whole thing happened to you that you just felt off and it didn't feel like it was working. Is that, is that what That's I'm hearing? Exactly. That's exactly right. Except for the traditional part. Cause part of what we discovered in our marriage was that my husband was much more traditional than I was. Mm. And I didn't realize that going in because um, he was a well-known performance poet, traveled the world performing, you know, as, as two creatives, we were both poets at the time I had given up uh, working with clients and coaching and all that. And I was focusing on poetry for 10 years. And so I thought as two creatives, we were a, a similar level of unconventional, you know, in a certain way. And, and as we went on, that was one of the incompatibilities that we discovered was he had a more conventional um, idea of, of what our life would look like than I did. And eventually it just started to stifle me too much. Well, that's interesting. You know, uh, my wife, Elizabeth and I, we've been married going on 13 years, 14 years. And we both just come from the traditional old school. I mean, both of our parents have been married 46 years and it's not a religious thing or anything like that. It's just, you know, that's just what we were in for the long haul. Um, and trust me, she's put up with a hell of a lot more than I've had to put up with. So <laughs> along this ride, you know, so it's interesting that, that, you know, somewhere along the way you started to look at it and go, Hmm, maybe this isn't the right fit. Um, maybe this isn't the life that I chose to, to live. And that's you know, a very big, bold ass statement because not a lot of people have a courage to, to look at it and go, man, I was destined for a different route. That was what was so hard for me because I really believed in my vows. I believed, I mean, I said I would be holding his hand when he died, you know, and I really believed that. And so, yeah, it is a courageous moment to say, oh, the life. And, and part of it, too, was I had chose someone who my family would accept. Mm. You know, I had chosen the right guy. Right. So then to, to say, oh, this doesn't work for me. And in fact, this wonderful man, by all standards, um, isn't the right man for me. So I'm going to break my vows and end the relationship. It, it, it was really, really hard. And I had to give myself a certain level of permission to want what I want and to disappoint my mother. My father had already passed away, but I, it was, that was one of the hardest parts was disappointing my mother. You know. So had your parents come from that traditional background where you stay together forever and all that? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. They were, they were married till my father died. My father died in 2000. 
And uh, so they were married for it's 36 years or something like that till he passed away. And and so that's what I, yeah, I, I believe I didn't marry till I was 39 because I wanted to be damn sure. Can I curse on your show? <laughs> no, don't fucking cuss. <laughs> I want to be damn sure that I was going to stay married. So I waited till it felt, really felt right. And that was the shocking discovery was that what I thought felt right was still a product of my conditioning more than my actual real self or or deeper self it's not that the conditioning is not your real self but there's a deeper self that's accessible that's more unique to you and that that one didn't fit well i'm curious because you know i think a lot of people struggle with their relationships and the things they're going through because you know they not all people most people get into to marriages because they love the person they plan on spending the time with them i mean there's some circumstances that do happen and i know i've had friends that got married because they needed support and being taken care of you know financially yeah. or whatever else i mean so that happens but right you know um um was it a series of little things that compounded over time that made you come to the realization because at that moment when you make the decision that this is not the right spot that's going to be a gut punch Oh my God, it was brutal. And and yeah, I think it was an accumulation of small things. The biggest thing being the decline in my health. You know, I was sleeping 10 hours a night and waking up exhausted and unmotivated and unable to do stuff. I got more and more closed in and left the house less and less, things like that. Um, I would have to leave the room and go, I mean, we were both writers, so we each had our own writing space and I would have to literally go in my room and shut the door to breathe. And, and <laughs> all of that, you know, led, made it clear, uh, but it wasn't until I went away on, um, I'm also a scuba diver and underwater photographer. And so I was away on a dive trip and I had plenty of energy on the trip and I was sleeping four to six hours a night. I was diving all day, editing my pictures, super excited. And it dawned on me, how do I go from being exhausted and unable to get out of bed in the morning at home to having plenty of energy, doing something I love, doing this thing that nourishes me and excites me. Um, and that was, I think, the biggest clue was that dramatic shift in my energy level. And my, my ex-husband likes to joke, you know, she left me for the ocean because after we split up, I went and spent about five months in Indonesia <laughs> photographing and just being in the water because it was also how I, how, what I needed to do to heal. And Elizabeth, if you listen to this episode, just so you know, I sleep like shit when I go to conference, just so you know, I sleep better. Than <laughs> See that smart man, Elizabeth, you got a good one here. He knows what to say. Right. right. I'm <laughs> raise a fool here now. That's right. That's right. So you go spend five months in Indonesia, probably on a soul searching getaway, figure out who the hell you are kind of mission. Was this your eat, pray, love moment, as I call it? <laughs> yeah, it's so funny you say that because when I went, I, I, I was thinking about that book. And, and in fact, the town of Ubud, where she goes in the book, uh, is overrun now with <laughs> both divorcees right. and young Indonesian men 
that are hoping to get picked up <laughs> by them. It's hilarious. So ladies, it's if you're a spinster, if you've been through, no, I'm kidding. I'm, if you're not a spinster. Yeah, for really. real. <laughs> it, it, it was so funny. I felt like such a cliche. <laughs> and, and that was part of what was so hard the first two years after my divorce. Part of the difficulty was I believed all these articles. There, there are so many articles out there that say, the fastest growing demographic of single women is women in their mid forties who have decided that, you know, their marriage, that, that they have the financial means to be able to leave their marriage. They're not dependent on their husband. They want to go for their own joy and they never find love again. Right. Because the older ones are looking for the younger ones. You know, there, there's all these articles out there that say like, you're fucked. If you get divorced in your mid forties, you're fucked. Yeah, I, I tell Elizabeth all the time. I'm like, look, babe, if you ever decide to leave me, fuck love. I'm going for money next time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's so funny. And so I spent two years with this belief in my system, and I just couldn't seem to meet a guy. I had a terrible rebound relationship that was just um, great sex, but uh, no emotional intelligence. I mean, there was no way that thing was going to actually get off the ground. <laughs> Um, it it had its purpose, you know, but, uh, and so I just spent two years demoralized. And then I started really looking deeper into what makes me happy in relationship. What, what makes people tick? What, what are men really about? What are women really about? I spent year, uh, a year in a coaching program studying these things. And during the course of that, actually, no, it was after the coaching program was over, uh, my current partner and I met each other um, in, a, in a pretty unconventional and interesting way. Uh, part of this community was um, doing relationships research. So if you wanted to work on a part of how you relate that you know you're not great at, let's say you tend to be jealous or you tend to you know, not communicate or you try to be nice at the expense of being real. Um, you can pick a partner and say, hey, would you like to do relationship research with me for seven days, 15 days, 30 days on this topic that I wanna get better at? And so you can practice this thing that you're not good at with someone that you're not yet invested in because they're your research partner. They're not, you're not in the romance you know, right. blindness thing. And so my partner and I met doing research. And then after a couple months of research, we looked at each other. It's like, oh my God, I fell in love with you. It's like, I'm in love with you too. And we've been together now three and a half years. So you <laughs> fell in love with your lab rat. I fell in love with my lab rat. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. You just gave me my memoir title. <laughs> <laughs> so I fell in love with my lab rat, Adventures of a Midlife Divorcee. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee that book would sell. <laughs> oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so funny. So you you literally sign up for a relationship type course, figuring yourself out. Yeah. I'm curious, did you pick a random dude out or did you go, eh, he's hot, got a nice body. I'm gonna pick him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got you on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. We were already hooking up, so it was oh. girl, but we weren't a couple, you know, so it, it was someone I knew I was attracted to okay. and would be fun to do research with. Um, so, but, so ladies, if you're single, first mm -hmm. head over to, to is it the Philippines or, or Singapore? <laughs> Go there Indonesia. first. 
in Indonesia, if that doesn't work, jump into a relationship course, right? So this yes. is the path to find your soulmate after divorce. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is some of what I do with my coaching clients, actually. If if very often um, I coach powerful women who are in relationships and they're wanting to make them work better, and and maybe they've put in the relationship second because they've been so high-powered at work. And so we do work to turn around and open up their receptivity again to their partner and have the relationship really flourish and thrive and actually feed them. They can be more magnetic and powerful and attractive in the world when they're feeling great at home. Right. And so that's, that's a lot of what I focus on, but I also have women who have already gone through the divorce and they're thinking I'm never going to meet anybody again. And, and very, very, Possibly, I may have them do some research. You know, I may have them go. Come on, you don't tell them to go on farmersonly.com and. and <laughs> what is that? There, you haven't heard of that? No, oh, what is it? There, there, there's actually a dating site, like uh, uh, all the dating sites out there. It's called farmersonly.com. They hook up country folk. Seriously, so if you like are into country guys and gals and own farms, I mean, I own a farm. Not that I would ever go on FarmersOnly.com, but it's literally a dating site for country folk. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. So, so if you're in the country, if you're looking for a cowboy or cowgirl, go to FarmersOnly.com. FarmersOnly.com. That's it. That <laughs> I mean, oh man, that just my sorry, my mind is going in like five directions <laughs> haul that back right uh, so so now you're literally coaching women how to step into themselves in life and love relationships and everything sounds like you're taking them on the journey you went through in some ways i am because um you know, the movie, The Matrix, right? I know it's a very common example, but in a lot of ways, I broke out of The Matrix. So you did and, like the whole fall over backwards, you know, the oh, man. bullets move, you know? <laughs> yeah, the bullets from my family, the bullets from my culture, the bullets, right? Was it the red pill or the green pill? I forget which one you take. I always forget. I think it's the red one you take. Maybe that's why I love to wear red. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, there really is a, a matrix that all of us are conditioned into through our family, culture, education, religious background. And sometimes our authentic self aligns with at least some parts of that. It's not that it's all not real, you know, but not very often, at least for the women that I coach and who are attracted to work with me, not all of us fits, you know? And so there's at some point, this is why I love working with people in midlife, because usually they're, they're at a place where they've achieved a certain level of success. And then they're realizing like, oh, I can't go on like this. Like this no longer works for me. Like I'm not happy. I'm not, I don't love my job or whatever it is. This isn't, something isn't true to me. It doesn't feel right. And there's enough skin in the game at that point to say, I don't want the next 40 years to be like this you know, what makes me happy? I want to be happy. And so that's usually where I love to come in. Oh, oh, can I tell you a story? Please, please. So when I was, um, when I was in my early thirties, I, I had a really successful practice as a massage therapist and acupuncturist on the West coast. I was, and there was no air quotes in that guys, just so you know. No air quotes. Uh, no, kidding. Yeah, right. No air quotes. I was a legit massage therapist. 
and acupuncturist. If they got too feisty, they got the needles. No, I'm just <laughs> and, um, and so my father uh, had a recurrence of cancer and I decided to move home. I'm an only child and I really wanted to be with him. And so I sold all that, gave that all up, moved back to New York. And shortly after I got there, so this is like I'm about 32, 33 at this point, And my father says, you know, uh, most, most people your age are climbing the corporate ladder and getting married and, you know, doing that thing. What, what, are, you, what are you doing? And I refrained from saying, like, well, I just gave up a bomb-ass successful life to come here and be with you. <laughs> I, that is not what I said. But I, somehow in that moment, I had the presence of mind to say, you know, my ladder's on a different wall. Mm. And all those people who are climbing the corporate ladder and doing the thing that's expected of them, when they reach their 40s and they realize they're not fulfilled and they don't love what they do, they're going to come to me because I've been doing it my own way all along. And so somehow I knew that in my 30s, already in my early 30s, that I was going to be a person who, who could call to those people who were waking up and realizing, oh my God, I've been living somebody else's life and what do I want? And I would be there for them when that time came. Now, here's the fascinating thing though, I wasn't entirely free because I dove into the matrix with my marriage. So I was free around purpose and work but I was not free around relationship. I still was invested in finding the right guy that my family would approve of. And so for me, that was the spot where I ended up having to go through that, that amazing and also painful experience to find what is authentic for me. I love that. I have an idea for you. Oh, please. I think you should start a podcast called <laughs> My Ladders on the Other Wall. <gasps> Boom, drop the mic. I really think you should. <laughs> it's but, so funny because that's one of the titles you know when we made the media one sheets for the right. conference all the uh for those of you who don't know all the attendees make a media one sheet where you have your talk topics and one of my talk topics that i wrote on that sheet was get your ladder on the right wall do what you were born to do not what you were told to do mm, love that Love that. And it, you know, it's powerful because most people won't step into that. I mean, because yeah. they're scared of their own shadow. They're, they're scared of pissing off family. You know, they're, they're afraid that if they were to reveal their true self, that people wouldn't like who they are and they get stuck in this people pleasing mentality. Yes. That's the fear, isn't it? hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. How does somebody step into that i mean i mean if you've lived 40 some odd years oh 52 honey oh 52 <laughs> hey, hey own it girl because as you know when you've lived 30 some odd years um you know <laughs> <laughs> but when you've lived you know your journey and you've spent that entire time living as somebody else not mm. being who you are i mean you found a way out but how do other people find find a way off of that path, that journey, so they can start living their authentic self, their true self. You know, how do they do it? That's a great question. And it's one step at a time is how you do it. You know, it, it, I don't believe in just cutting everything and what, because here's the thing, our subconscious is super invested in safety and in things 
being the way they are. And even if we don't like the way it is, it's the way we know. And so there's a, a recalibration and re-education that has to happen between the conscious and the subconscious mind. This is why some of the manifestation stuff um, that people talk about doesn't totally land. You, you know, you can want, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. You can look in the mirror every morning and say, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. But there's a piece of your mind that's like, no, you're not. Yeah. And that's behind the scenes, right? Yeah. So, so number one, you got to deal with that piece of your mind that's behind the scenes, that doesn't want to change, that's afraid of change, that's afraid that nobody will like you if you change, that's afraid to lose everything. And so how I work as a coach is um, we begin with working with all the voices in the head. You know, we, we all have a, an orchestra, as I like to call it. We have an orchestra, and for many of us, the conductor has left the building, the, the mm -hmm. adult aware, um, most true, authentic part of us has left the building and all the voices are in charge. And so the first thing we do is we find the conductor who's left and gone to the bar. Like we bring the conductor back and put that conductor in charge, which is your adult aware, most centered and clear self. And then from there, we work with whatever is coming up. So looking forward, this is where I want to go. Like, oh, I realize I'm not living the life I want. And I'm thinking about changing it. What comes up immediately? What are the first thoughts that come up? You can't do that. Your mother, you, your mother will reject you. You know what I mean? Or you'll lose all your clients, whatever. So, and then we go through those voices one by one to bring them on board with this new plan. I love it. So, so, so let me put a theory behind you. So, yeah. I have a theory, and I like your conductor analogy. That's a first. I've never heard that before, so I really yeah, enjoy that. Yeah, that's my branded thing. Yeah, I love and, it. I love empower it. your conductor. Yeah. I freaking love that. I love that. So, but, but here's my theory. I think inside that your whole orchestra of people, there's one little figure hiding in the way back, and this is your little fucking gremlin, okay? Uh-huh. And this is a shisty little bastard, and I think that this gremlin's gone your entire ride with you. And so mm -hmm. he knows the good, the bad, the ugly, the amazing, the bullshit. He knows every little lie you've ever told. You have no secrets. Okay? Yep. yep. And I think that what he's really good at is camouflaging himself as a different character <gasps> in the orchestra. Completely. And so when you're going for it, you're doing it. All of a sudden, he's really good at popping out on your shoulder and going, yep. yep you're not good enough. You're not fast enough. You're not strong enough. And here's my second portion of this theory is my gremlin talks to your gremlin. Mm -hmm. So they when collude. we're talking, yeah. So when, when, when they're going, my gremlin's whispering over to them, Hey, say this to him because that'll really knock him down a block. Right. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, I love that. And I have a, I have a, may I, yeah, everything back. Yeah. Um, the way the way I see it, the way I work is that every single voice, including the gremlin, loves you and wants what it thinks is best for you. Oh yeah, so that, well said. That gremlin that that is saying you're not good enough. Nope, they're not going to like you. That gremlin's trying to protect you from pain. That gremlin is trying to is afraid. And it's trying to protect you from rejection and hurt. 
So it loves you. So the more you can love that gremlin back and go, oh, hi, gremlin. Oh, my God, you're so cute. You know, <laughs> I hear you. I, and I, I you're, you know, you're so sweet. You want to protect me. I literally say this to my oh, boys. Dude, I have like, such the opposite approach. I tell you, oh yeah, you're gonna laugh. I'm like, grab that freaking gremlin off your shoulder, punch him square in the face, and tell him to shut his fucking mouth. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and with the clients that I work with, um, you know, because different approaches work for different. Yeah, types absolutely. Of and and like, I would love your approach because there's a part of me that's like totally badass and loves that way of <laughs> talking. You know. Right. And I find the folks that work with me. Um, they find their permission to be who they are more readily when they're not rejecting any part of themselves. That and, you know, when you don't reject any part of yourself, it doesn't go then live in your shadow and sabotage your life from behind the scenes. Cause mm. this is, you know, we all have shadows of the parts of ourselves that we were told when we were little, were not, you know, acceptable. Like we couldn't bring our rowdy, I, you know, I used to get uh, in trouble all the time at school because I would be rowdy in class. I would laugh too much or something. And so I had to shut that part down and be a good little girl and be quiet and, you know, all that. So then that rowdy part of me, let's say, goes and lives in my shadow and pops out at in, in like at the wrong moment sometimes to sabotage my shit, right? Until I can look that rowdy one right in the face and go oh hi you know what I love you I love your rowdiness your sense of humor is awesome and in the right place at the right time you are the one that I want out in front but right now you're not the one and you need to sit in the back and and so that's what with the clients that I work with that kind of approach seems more effective I, I think your conductor should come out and hang over with mine every once in a while because oftentimes when I'm in rooms my little hey be a smart ass center of attention dude always mm -hmm. goes to the forefront so yeah you know, you know, I, if my wife were here she'd like would your conductor please come hang out with you more often <laughs> <laughs> you need to empower Donnie's conductor right that please <laughs> <laughs> so this is interesting. So uh, I love telling people this. I don't believe in goal setting. I think mm -hmm. goal setting is bullshit. And uh, the reason is because you set a goal that, and, and you already are self-sabotaging. In your case, the, the orchestra's already stay, stepped in and saying you can't do that, just like you talked about the whole millionaire thing, right? Yep. Um, uh, so I tell people to quit setting goals and go for incremental growth. Yes. Right. Um, yes. Take, take micro steps, micro moves. Don't do the big fucking leaps. Go to the next yep. level and then keep up in your game. Yes. Um, um, and and when you do it that way, this comes back to where I begin with clients. You, you, you kick up less of a resistance. Yes. Right. Cause one of our major voices is resistance. And so the bigger the goal, the bigger the resistance shows up. And you can almost kind of get past it by incremental stuff so that your, your subconscious and the rest of you can catch up to where you are and lets you keep going. Yeah, because it's almost like you're tricking your system. Yeah. Because it doesn't recognize that you're pushing yourself out of your boundaries. Exactly. That's yeah. it. I love totally. It. And like I, 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 I like a twofold approach because I, I also do like having something out there 
like a vision, a vision, a absolutely. vision that I'm living into. Cause that vision pulls you through the rough times, but, but the work is in the incremental growth, just like you said, like that's, that's the work, but there's a, there's a direction I'm headed. There's a, there's a vision of the person I want to be and the level of authenticity and comfort in my own skin that I want to have. And that's pulling me forward through every time that I feel uncomfortable because I just stretched myself to talk to somebody when I was afraid or whatever. Right, right. So how does somebody know that they're, they're at the point where they need somebody like you? Oh, that's such a good question. Usually they're, um, they, they're, they've, they're realizing that they, it's no longer working. Like they can't go forward. They've been hustling and hustling and hustling and they're tired and they feel, um, like dry, you know, it's like a plant that hasn't had enough water. The soil is dry. And the other, the other piece is, um, especially with my, my powerful women who are in relationships that they're not totally happy in, uh, they're thinking it's the guy, right? For a long time, they're like, oh my God, he's so needy. I wish he would just get a life. Or it's like, doesn't he realize I'm doing this for him? Like, doesn't he realize I'm grinding this hard for my family? Like, because I, I love this, but also I'm, you know, I'm contributing to our family. Doesn't he get that? That's why I'm about the grind, you know, whatever the story is. And then this whisper starts to come from inside that starts to say, hmm, you know what? Maybe I'm part of the problem. Maybe, maybe there's something I'm doing that's making this happen. Maybe there's something that I could do to have this relationship feel better. Maybe I'm imbalanced. Maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to grind this hard and I'm supposed to enjoy my life more. That, those questions start to come up. And it starts to be clear that they can no longer keep going in the way that they've been doing it before everybody hits that point at some at some point unless unless they've already figured out this piece of how how much do i pour out in the world and how much do i receive you know yeah you know what's interesting is i think it's more powerful for a person to start understanding that it is their fault yeah. Right. And because they're not going to want to work with me if they don't see that yet. Right. Right. Because if if you don't take ownership of your life, yep. um, and the most powerful phrase that that I learned in my thirties probably was, "It's my fault." And mm -hmm. I, I get some people like, "You can't say the word fault because that's a name." I'm like, "No, life is my, is a result of everything that I've done. It's my fault, whether good or bad." Right. 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 And and as soon as somebody does that, so but I think it takes a very powerful person to start internalizing that and realizing they're at that moment. Yeah. I bet you find a lot of great success in your coaching because if somebody's gotten to that point in their life, then then they're ready to receive a message to be able to finally go at it and do something with their life. It's yeah. people that haven't gotten there yet and yeah. they're looking at life as it's somebody else's fault. Right. Right. I mean, that's the transition, isn't it? I, yeah. you know, we all grow up with a certain measure of, of victim, you know, mentality of, of life is happening to me. 
And there's a there's an essential transition that has to happen before someone is really coachable and ready for the level of transformation that they're capable of. And that transition is from life is happening for me to life is happening. I mean, sorry, life is happening to me from that to life is happening for me. And how am I meeting it? Am I showing up as the self I want to be? Am I showing up as my real self and and in such a way that I'm going, I can be the person who can have what I want? To me, I'm I'm a mindset inner person, you know, that's kind of what makes me tick. And it's to me all about learning to be the person who can have the life I want to have. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Without, you know, yeah. I mean, why don't people learn that earlier? It's not taught. Well, I, I get that, but I mean, but I mean, wh- why do we have to go through life and get smashed in the face five hundred <laughs> times over right? and over again before we finally realize, holy shit, it's my fault? You know? Yeah, I I think it's um just it it just gets handed down through the culture, mm. and right. that's where the shift has to happen. There, there's a, um, a beautiful body of work around what's called the victim triangle. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea is that there's uh, we bounce between victim, perpetrator, and rescuer. So de- depending on our circumstances, when we were little, we will tend to hang out in any one of those three positions as our default. Like my default position is a rescuer. So that's how I learned when things felt shitty, I learned that the most effective way for me to survive was to take care, you know, to caretake, to help someone feel better. Right. So that's what I, that's what my personality developed around. And then very often I will land in victim when things aren't going my way. And often from a victim position will perpetrate, you know, when you're not happy, you'll say the thing that'll cut your partner down to size. And so they're unhappy too. In that moment, even though you're in your victim, you're perpetrating in that moment because you're trying to cut them down, right? So it's this triangle that we make endless. And so part of the work of coaching is learning how to step off that triangle and actually interact from your adult aware self that's not bouncing it between these three dynamics yeah i i actually heard a really interesting way of describing the the uh, whole victim's triangle and the scenario is a husband and wife are having a domestic dispute they're yelling and screaming at her the wife is fearing for her life she is obviously the victim he's the persecutor the police officer walks up and he's the rescuer okay Mm -hmm. so he walks up to the two i'm gonna rescue save the wife as soon as he goes to step towards the husband, the wife goes, oh, no, that's my husband. Don't touch him. She now becomes the rescuer. She becomes the victim, right? And she, yes. Right? And, and it, 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 it's the whole dynamics of, yep. played out in a very, very quick moment. And what people understand, you explained it brilliantly, is we go through that triangle like that in one minute. Yeah. We can go from victim to rescuer to persecutor over and over again. And you already said it. You got to step off the triangle. But that's not easy. It's not easy. And to me, that's the nitty gritty part of the coaching work that I do 
that's, you know, let's say someone's on a six month or a nine month or a year long program, the first three months are typically a lot of this kind of unpacking and undoing and seeing what the habituated responses are and learning to choose a different response, right? Because with coaching, you're retraining habitual things and, and, and making more room to make another choice. It's not that the habitual thing doesn't come up because it very, that's our neurological wiring. Like the, the, the victim thought will come up, the perpetrator thought will come up, the rescuer thing will come up, but you develop enough room with a, with, with your aware, with your conductor in charge uh, to say, Oh, wait a minute. Look at that. That's my, that's my typical response. Is there something else I want to do here that's actually more aligned with who I want to be now? Mm, that right? takes a lot of self-control. Mm-hmm. No wonder you yeah. do longer coaching practices because, you know, people a lot of times are deprogramming yes. 40 plus some odd years or wherever they're at of yeah. the shit show that they've called life. Right. <laughs> and, you know, are, are trying to reprogram their natural stance. Yeah. Because unfortunately, people walk through life more often than not as the victim. Yeah. And they don't have, they think that that voice is who they are. Like they right. don't have the room. This is why I talk about the voices as an orchestra, because A, it gets out of value judgment of which voice is good or which voice is bad. Like it's your inner critic is just a trumpet that's soloing out of turn. You know what I mean? It's, and it gets the judgment out of it. And then B, like the other aspect, when you look at it as an orchestra and you're learning to locate yourself in your conductor, it gives you a little distance and you start to realize, oh, I am not my thoughts. These thoughts are happening on the screen of my mind. But there's another aware part of me that can watch it all happening. And that gives me room to have choice. So that's a retraining that does take some time. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's, that's awesome. You know, you've had a hell of a crazy-ass ride. You know, mm. where's all this taking you? I mean, are you going to set the world on fire and be the next Oprah? I don't know. Um, or, or, you know. You, you heard it here, folks. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> I'll make you famous. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, where's this crazy journey taking you? I mean, uh, are you going to have people walking on Cole's Tony Robbins style? Which I don't understand, by the way. But Oh, you know what? I used to work with Tony. Tony was actually one of my massage clients. I think, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But anyway, just said it. Yeah. Um, and so Tony took, I, I did all his programs and stuff. And it's actually really, really powerful mm-hmm. to um, for understanding the power of mindset and inner state. I think that's where I really first learned the power of that in my early 20s when he took me everywhere. And um, uh, that said, uh, the vision that I see, I I think I'll always have a few one-on-one, you know, premier clients because the magic that happens in one-on-one work I don't want to, I don't, I don't think I ever want to let that go like that. To me, there's nothing like seeing that light bulb come on in someone and they gain space and freedom in a spot where they were not free before. I, I love, I live for that moment. And I also love small group work, the intimacy of working with five, 10 people at a time in a small group. 
Um, and so a part of me feels like I'll always have that too. But where I also see myself headed is toward speaking, toward, I want to be a thought leader. I, I want to seed this idea of your voices as an orchestra and, and having your conductor in charge. I want to seed that into the culture. I want to seed into the culture the idea of permission to be your real self and to choose which wall you want your ladder on. Like all the things that I work on with my private clients, I want to, I want those to become how we live and exist as a society because it creates a, a space where we all can interact with each other as who we are. And, and, you know, me giving myself space to be who I am doesn't mean I become like some selfish asshole that runs all over everybody else. It means I also have to give you space to, to be who you are. That's part of the deal, you know? Right. And so I, that's my, um, that's my long range vision is that we learn to give each other more room to be our actual selves. And then, and, and because everybody matters and everybody has a right to feel like they belong and belonging starts from within. So if you don't even belong to yourself, like you can't even be thinking about where do you belong out there? And if all you've done is think you belong because you've stayed in your little tiny silo that tells you you're fine the way you are, but you've never actually explored the world or anyone different from yourself, you're missing out. It's such a gorgeous world out there and, and so many ways to do things that are not the same, you know, uh, that's what I see. No, that's beautiful. You know, um, I, I had a coach of mine, mentor of mine, you know, tell me once upon a time when I was first getting into my company and, and getting on stages and stuff. And here's what he told me. And it was, it was brilliant. I'll just say it in his words because it makes more impact. He goes, Donnie, you're a fucking idiot. I said, what do you mean I'm a fucking idiot? He goes, you have a powerful presence, a powerful voice. He goes, when you stand in front of the room, you can impact people. But the fact that you're not on stages, you're being fucking selfish. Mm. so marie elizabeth molly quit being fucking selfish and get your ass on stage <laughs> thank you yes right because well, this I mean, is why i came to the summit yeah. that was my first step yeah. right was to begin practicing uh, you know saying all the shit i do in a minute in an impactful way that will land with people who will want to have me on their shows. I mean, that was my first step and, and that's the direction I'm going in and thank you. Yes. I'm going to stop being selfish and get out there. And that goes for everybody listening to the show. I mean, if, if you'll step into you and, and go for it, your story will impact somebody else's life. Quit being selfish and share your fucking story out there and, and change lives, that's you know, and, and go for it. Don't you find that, um, you know, you, it, it, by sharing your story, not only do you get free because you realize that it's you can say that thing that's been scary to say and you won't die, <laughs> you know, there's yeah. that part of it, but there's also like, oh my God, I'm not alone. Yeah. Every time you share your story, all these other people get permission to own their story too. Absolutely. You know, it was a, a light bulb moment for me is, you know, I was always the, let me baffle you with my bullshit guy. Right. 
you know, let me just overpower you with how awesome I am. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't finding success in life and business because it was all about me, right? Right uh, on. Until I flipped the switch. Well, it has fucking nothing to do with me. It's, yeah, it's my story. It's my journey. It's what I've been through. But it's yeah. about telling so they can step into their own. Exactly. That was, that was the the changing. When when did that happen for you? Tell me tell me about that transition because that's a huge one. Um, it was right at about the eighth month mark of my business. The only reason I know it was the eighth month because the six month mark I was about to shut my business down, um, because it wasn't working. And I'd gone on several podcasts, and I was in the middle of an interview, and uh, in the middle of that interview, the guy asked me the question. He said, why are you doing this? And in that moment, I had to have a gut check and it just came out. And I finally said, holy shit, at this moment, I don't know. And that episode's out there. And then I'm like, fuck, I have been doing this entire journey for me. Wow. And that, I mean, you can go find it. Um, and I even went back and listened to that episode and went, fuck, dude, what are you doing? And that was a moment I realized I'd spent my entire time trying to do it for other people. Uh, I mean, do it for myself, not other people. Yeah, but the, how, um, how courageous and um, gorgeous to let yourself have that moment on the air. And and be that honest, like, because you could have come up with a slick, you could have covered your ass. Oh, I've got those. I did that my you entire <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could have gone to the slick yeah. guy again, right? Yep. But in that moment, you actually allowed your beautiful, true self to come out and go, oh, my God, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> you could go back and, to the drawing board and figure this shit out. And, and what's amazing is, is if you look at my my business, and I'm telling this so everybody else can embrace it, is is. Mm. But, you can look at the, my business and the growth from that moment to where I am now compared mm. to what I did up to that point. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, so that is such an amazing story. I'm so glad. Thank you for telling that because it's, it's, it's those kind of moments where you realize, Oh, whoa, I've been doing this kind of from the wrong place, you know, or, or mm-hmm. just not from the place that I want to be doing it from. And, and that happens, I think, in so many spots as we grow, right? I mean, that, that it happened to me in my last launch of a group program and it's like, why are the sales not working? And I realized that um, that this like insecure part of me had, had come up and was kind of running the show and people could feel that. Like I was afraid people weren't gonna buy and I was afraid that I wasn't gonna be liked and all that old stuff was up and I had to take a step back and recenter myself and get back to the why I was doing the program in the first place. Like, why did I even cook up this thing? Why do I even want to? I mean, I literally was weeping to my partner in, in, in the bed saying, maybe I shouldn't even be a coach. I don't know. This is not working. And I suck at this. You know, and then my coach like gave me a good talking to the next day. And I, and I re I got back on track and, and it shifted. Right. Yeah. And I, God, I hope everybody has heard that because, you know, you oftentimes I get people come up on stage when I'm on stage or, you know, off the microphone from the podcast and they're like, you're so awesome. You're so magic. You do all this stuff. And I, and I hope you guys just heard everything Marie said, because <laughs> we all go through it. 
right? Yeah. We all deal with that little fucking gremlin that's that's hiding behind the conductor, you know, yeah. battling yeah. it out, you know. Yeah. We're we're all right in the midst of the battle, trying to exactly. get out there and battle. Yeah, we are, and and yeah, it's true for everybody. Everybody. I mean, you know, Oprah has her days, I am sure. <laughs> yes. You know, I am sure she has those days where she wakes up and is like, I, I can't do this. Nobody, everybody hates me. <laughs> right. I'm sure she has days like that, but she has enough practice under her belt. So, you know, what differentiates the ones who make it from the ones who don't is that the ones who make it have practice under their belt, that they go to their practices and they know how to turn it around you know, they know what to do in that moment. Oh, I need to give gratitudes. Like that's a huge one for me. When I start feeling that way, I have to turn my attention to, okay, what is working? What am I grateful for? What's going well? And then, you know, is this thought that there's a version of uh, Byron Katie's the work, you know, is this really true? Is this thought I'm having about myself really true? Can I really know that it's true? If this, if it weren't true, what else could I think about myself? Like I deconstruct, I actually extricate myself from, from the thoughts, um, you know, and, and so that's what allows folks like you and me and anybody else who's having a larger and larger impact. It's the fact that we keep going. We don't let that stuff stop us. We keep going and we have practices and processes that we turn to that turn us around and set us back in our center. Well, let me give you some really cool, fun advice that a mentor of mine gave me as you start your speaker journey. Uh Um, When you're on stage, it's not about the people that come up to you after the event and say hello. Mm. It's about the ones who are too scared to come say hi. So, so I don't know if you saw me do it in that conference, but I made sure to try and get out and shake and hug and, and, you know, show love to as many freaking people as I could at that conference, because I knew there was so many people that really wanted to say hi, but were so intimidated to make that move. I yeah. tried to cross the chat. so as you go on stage, mm-hmm. remember to always go into the crowd. Mm. find the ones that are scared to come say hi to you because it makes that one move that gets them to step into their greatness. Oh, that's gorgeous. And you know, it's so, that is so beautiful. And I'm, I so appreciate that advice because those are my people often, you know, and, and I've been that person. Right. Like I've been that person who was too scared to go. I mean, uh, one of my favorite poets is Mark Doty. And I remember who he won the National Book Award in 2008. And um, and I remember going up to him. I was I was so in love with his work. And we were at a conference together. And I'm not usually an, uh, an inarticulate person. I mean, I've been around. I mean, shoot, you know, Tony was my client. Like, I've been around. I know what it is to be around actual famous people, but, but I went, I was trying to talk to Mark and I, I was just like, I, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't get any, I was the most inarticulate. <laughs> I'm like, what must he think of me? I couldn't, but I was so enamored of his work and I so wanted to be a good poet. And I was so terrified that I couldn't write. And all of that was, and, and, and so I've always had a particular fondness for that person 
you know, and I love that you, because you, again, you could skate by on the largeness of your presence and not have to do that. And I love that you have your attention on those people because, because it can be the thing that, I mean, look at me now. I came up, we, we are, we were on the tram on the first day and I was like, Hey, right. (laughs) Old me couldn't have done that. Right. And, and I've had to go through my own transition. And it's because of people like you who took the time. Mark was so kind to me. And Mark Doty, I mean, he was so kind to me that day when I was too nervous to even hold a proper conversation with him. And, you know, to the he blurbed my book. I mean, like, you know, he's just been such a kind and amazing mentor to me over time. And it's because of people like that and people like you who take the time to connect with the ones who are, you know, everybody has greatness inside of them and, and, and everybody is worthy to let it out. Yeah. Right. And some people just need a little extra attention and encouragement. Yeah. And, 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 and I, you know, cause earlier, similar to you early on, I was that kid that sat in the stage, you know, looking at the big person on the stage, you know, I'm in the crowd and I so wanted to walk up and say hi, but for some reason I couldn't get my ass out of my chair to have the courage to walk up. So, so I know that, that if, if the old meeting, young buck could have found that courage i think it would have impacted my life so much so i want to make sure that there's no young me sitting out there in the crowd that so want to make that move i'm going to cross yeah. that chasm for them so so they're not not stressing out and i and the the stories from people that i've reached out to and, and come back and talk just because you're willing to be out there and show them that you're just a regular person yeah uh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's really cool. It's really cool. Oh, that's so gorgeous. Thank so, you for sharing that. Absolutely. So how do people get in touch with your awesome self and hear about your coaching, hear about whatever it is, all the fun stuff you do and get to meet your amazing self? Well, you can go to my website, which is M-E-M-A-L-I.com. So it's M-E, which is the initials of Marie Elizabeth. And then M like Mary, A-L-I like the country, molly.com. And uh, there's a contact form there. You can reach out to me. You can reach out to schedule a call if you're interested in uh, talking about possibly coaching together. If something I've said speaks to you and you want to have a conversation, please reach out. And I also have a free gift there that I want to offer your peeps, uh, which is the five uh, key steps to say it like you mean it and have and win in conversations, tough conversations. I don't know, you know, the title's so long, I can't get it right. But <laughs> basically, how to how to have a better conversation, how to be more skillful in conversations so that you get more of what you want. And so that's a free download on your site? That's a free download on my site. And you and if you want to go directly to that page, that page is memolly.com slash uh, opt-in convo. So O-P-T-I-N-C-O-N-V-O, opt-in convo. Cool. Uh, So you can go grab that guide, start having better conversations, start asking for what you want and listening to what other people want. That's a great place to begin. Love it. Love it. Well, girl, this has been a badass conversation. Here's how I wrap up every episode. And I do stump some people, so get ready. If you were going to leave the champions who listen to this show, 
with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially if they're stacked up against it and going through it. Mm-hmm. What would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. The only one who can give you permission to be you is you. Oh, I love that. And I tell a lot of people that when they do their quotes, you need to get that done, made into a t-shirt, right? You know, get that quote, get my ladders on the other wall, put that on t-shirt, put that quote on the t-shirt, put those up on your site because people need to hear messages like that on a regular basis. Thank Um, you. I appreciate that. That's a great idea. I'm here for you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so grateful. Thank you. Well, Maria Elizabeth, Molly, thank you so much for doing this show. It's been a blast having you on here. Keep going big and loud and and go blow some shit up, would you? Let's blow some shit up, Donnie. Let's do it. (laughs) And the ground... It's no place for a champion, for a champion. Holy hell, what an episode. God, that was a lot of fun. You know, sitting down and with her, I love her energy. I love her enthusiasm. I love where she's going with her life and journey, man. Big things coming for that gal. You know, this show has been an absolute game changer for me, my business, my family. I, I love every minute of this and and the opportunities it's opened up for me. You know, you should really come hang out in our Facebook group, Success Champions. Just go to Facebook, type in the word Success Champions in the search bar, click on groups, and we'll be the first one to pop in. Just amazing daily content. We're doing all kinds of cool things in there. And we'd really love for you to come hang out, get some high energy going, get some you know, love going, get some business help and advice. It's an amazing place. So come hang out with us in Success Champions. Keep kicking ass, guys. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions Networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals. Go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.